Welcome to the CTO Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. This podcast is dedicated to exploring the challenges and opportunities facing today's chief technology officers. In each episode, you'll hear highlights and perspectives from experienced technology leaders as they share wisdom on technical trends, talent management, customer experience, and innovation. Looking to discover what it takes to succeed as a CTO? Then sit back and relax as we explore the fascinating evolution of the world of technology leadership. Here's the host of the CTO Podcast, the founder of 7CTOs, Etienne De Bruin. Welcome to the CTO Podcast, where we explore the worlds of chief technology officers as they manage the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of technologists in the C-suite. I'm your host and the founder of 7CTOs, Etienne De Bruin, and today we're going to hear about how to formulate software development best practices. Joining us is Calvin Hendricks-Parker, who is the CTO and co-founder at Six Feet Up, which makes the world a better place by using technology to accelerate companies that do good in the world. Our engineers specialize in app development, AI, big data, and cloud technology, says Calvin. Our impactful clients focus on climate action, clean energy, and initiatives that benefit humankind. Yesterday, Calvin and I talked about solidifying software development foundations, and we started talking about their four-stage framework for laying down that foundation. And today, we're going to continue our conversation and discuss how to build resilient systems using that framework. Okay, here's my conversation with Calvin Hendricks-Parker, the CTO and co-founder at Six Feet Up. Okay, so Calvin, we're back. Stage one, two, three, and four. Yesterday, we discussed stage one. Give the audience a quick overview of stage one, and then let's dive into stage two. So stage one of that best framework we just started discussing was really about laying that groundwork for successful software development. You know, those strategies you need for team building, environment setup, documentation, coding standards. Again, I mentioned all the table stakes that you need to kind of come to to even start going further with your software development team, like building that lifecycle, accelerating their team. As we move through the other stages, really from there, stage two is the execute and iterate stage. It starts in on growth mindset. Like how do you start doing more, encouraging more knowledge sharing? Does your team even have like a skill set matrix that you understand all the skills that your whole team actually brings to the table. Many groups don't, don't track those kinds of things. Are you even using source control management effectively? Do you have any instrumentation in your system? Is there logging at all? Are you using logs? Is security a consideration? I certainly hope it's built in from the start, not one of those things you're bolting on at the end. And then do we start doing things like code reviews? Are you show and telling on a regular basis between the team and encouraging each other to Make sure every pull request is reviewed. Are you using pull requests to start with? You know, what does that environment look like? That's really our stage to, to, for building these robust and stable systems. It's having these kind of tooling pieces, you know, block and tackling in place. And stage two specifically focused on how is my team cross-pollinating and sharing this information and, and helping all boats rise? Correct. The growth mindset part of that is around training. Does the organization value your growth as a developer? Or are you just told, stay heads down, stay at the task, fix the problems? 
or is there latitude to explore other areas of interest? You know, maybe a new technology, a new framework that could be evaluated for inclusion in whatever the product is you're building. I think another overlooked one is like the instrumentation aspect of kind of self-defensively coding for your future, you know, triage mode version of yourself. Because as software gets deployed, software has issues, all software has bugs. We, we, this is like a law of software development, but it doesn't have to be hard on you to track down those bugs and solve them quickly if you're using tools to help you with instrumentation beyond just standard out logging. Actually, standard out logging might be a good start for some organizations. The console log is, is my friend. <laughs> so the stage one focused on what I love what you said yesterday was stage one is as a measurement is how quickly can I get a brand new person onboarded to where they can actually submit their first from like a blank Mac to a full on pull request and you use the less than an hour, which I think is formidable. In the second stage, what time frame or what do you like to see for how long it takes for people to start sharing, growing, instrumenting and all that? So I think stage two as, as a new developer onboarding uh, lifecycle doesn't have a time frame as much as it has the environment that surrounds it are these tenants in place that make this all possible? Is there documentation? So stage one had documentation as one of its units. Is the source control management workflow well documented and well understood? So there's a new person joining a team or someone maybe working across a team inside the same organization can easily join and understand your culture of source control management or your usage of security protocols and tools. That culture has to be in place, for example, around security. Like that people have to be thinking about security as not, a, again, not an afterthought, not a bolt-on, but as the first and foremost way we're gonna just operate, even when it comes to doing things like sharing credentials or passwords or secrets or API keys. Obviously no one should check those into source control, but they also shouldn't be on your file system in plain text anyway. There are great tools out there for sharing and collaborating and using secrets effectively without ever having to put a plain text secret anyplace. But so many people were like, well, I'm just going to chat that to somebody because I, I need to collaborate quickly and get them the database password for production. Ugh, we hope not. But that happens. Uh, you know, there's that security, those lines haven't been drawn clearly. Calvin, sorry to interrupt, but if we think about sort of today's focus around resilience, so much of the things that we cut corners on or that we don't document or that we sort of rely on tribal knowledge, in my mind, has to do with the speed and the efficiency that we want to get things done. When the unknown hits you, like, okay, I shouldn't be pasting in this password. I should be using the key manager that the CTO told us all to use, but I didn't ever accept that invite. And I'm like, I just have to get this done. To me, speaks to sort of a lack of the team's ability to deal with unforeseen things all the way up from like, you know, an outage or someone gets fired or something inappropriate happens all the way down to pasting in a production password into Slack or something. There is a mindset in the team that isn't resilient to the unknown or the orthogonal forces that keep hitting the team. What do you think about that? 
if the culture of that team is already in place in a way that is security only works if it's easy, if it's easy to do, if, if security is hard, people will do the workaround. People will, will work outside the system because there was too much friction to work with the system. And our goal with this whole framework is actually to help build up the muscle memory or the reflexes in the team so that these good practices, these best practices are natural and make the acceleration of the whole process of triaging a, a production outage, for example, faster and not slower. If I can't find how to get the logs off of the production app server easily, I'm obviously going to burn a bunch of time trying to figure out the tribal knowledge structure to ask who has that access, as opposed to we know that logs are centralized into a central logging system. It has a query language for us. We have instrumentation in place with observability. I can trace any request through the application. If that's all true, you aren't going to go outside the that system that's really, really nice to operate in to try and debug a problem. So many organizations you know, feel like they're at an all-out sprint, you know, and they don't feel like the upfront investment and time may be worth it, but I'm here to tell them, and many people will, that it is, that there is going to be great payoffs. And you may never see those great payoffs because these things are working so well. Like you didn't know what bad was if, if you didn't do these things. And that speaks to me to the critical role that, you know, the VP of engineering or the CTO, maybe of a smaller company, has to set that culture of spending time on something is okay. And I think I like what you said around the skill then that the developers will have to say, you know what, I can actually pause the context in which I am, you know, switch to the SOP that documents how to get the log files take a deep breath, get that, and then focus on training your team that that's okay, that that's not an interruption, that that's not causing this delay that's going to hit some sort of metric tomorrow. So much of this is in that, like you said, the culture and the foundational stuff, the foundational container or agreements that should be held between team members. Yeah, yesterday you mentioned the, the fact that the software development may be like a Ford production line where we have to get things down the line. I feel like we're trying to upgrade this to the Japanese automobile production line where everyone has the capability of pulling the lever to stop the line to fix a problem. Let's give our listeners, so tomorrow we'll complete the best framework, but give us a teaser as to what stages three and four are in the best framework for laying a good, effective software development foundation. Well, as an overly excitable technologist, three and four are obviously the best part of the whole framework because it's about automation, it's about transforming, it's about innovation. And I think a lot of teams don't never get to that point and it, it feels good when you get to do it. Wonderful, so stage three is? Stage three is automation. Stage four is transformation and acceleration. So that's the innovation. I love it. I have a real problem with automation because I don't think humans have the capacity or the ability to understand all the different possible outcomes of of how automation can actually fail. That's fascinating. I'm excited to hear more. Thanks, Calvin. I'll see you tomorrow. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the CTO podcast. Thanks again to Calvin Hendricks Parker, CTO and co-founder at Six Feet Up for joining us. In part three of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, 
Calvin and I are going to discuss optimizing the development with automation that leads hopefully to transformation. If you can't wait until our next episode and would like to learn more about Kelvin, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter, where his handle is twitter.com slash KelvinHP, or visit his company website at sixfeetup.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to ctopod.com where we have summaries of all our episodes and contact information for our guests. And if you want to share your stories of technical strategy and leadership in the C-suite, you can apply to be a guest speaker on the CTO podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is 7CTOs on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Bruin. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a steady stream of CTO brilliance in your podcast feed, we're publishing multiple episodes each week, so hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, remember that if things aren't breaking, your company isn't growing.